This episode was recorded on March 12th, 2022. A lot of things have been happening in the world in the last year, and after a very long hiatus, we're back, I think? I don't know. But nevertheless, you can't stop us from having thoughts and feelings and conversations about them and occasionally recording them. So enjoy the episode, take what you will, and hopefully we'll see you back sooner rather than later. Cheers. Is this the first time we're recording here? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, let's see what I want. I have some salami I could slice up. Yeah, let's yeah? do that. Yeah, okay. I just don't, I don't, I'm not hungry enough to like commit to like a meal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh God, that is good tea. Thank you. It's cherry. It's Polish, I think. No wonder I love it. Cherry is my favorite. Everything. Yeah, it's a sour cherry, I think. My mom sends it to me. Oh, God, that's good. Mm-hmm. Is it caffeinated? No. I don't think so. I think it's just herbal. This one that I love, I love it, especially on God, I love cherries. Aren't you going to like cherries? I don't like cherry fruit. I like sour cherry, though. Okay. Yeah, as okay. a fruit. Okay. Cherries are too sweet for me. Mm-hmm. Same thing with grapes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm not coming to bother you. Like this isn't. You, should, you are not that important. Yeah, no. It's not about you. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't know. Do you love how like just two days ago it was like eighty something, and now it's just yeah. standard, standard fucking shit. I still kind of want to go get my nails done. Do you want to do that for the sauna? My plans got canceled. Uh, no. Cause I don't want to spend money right now. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I I might call an audible and not do it. Oh sure. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I haven't decided. Why your plants cancel? Jeremy's sick. Oh. Figures. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna try and see. It's just a cold. Like he did a COVID test and everything. So we're gonna try and see if maybe tomorrow I could. Oh, that's like. Well, I hope he feels better. Yeah. Obviously. Oh my God. Oh. There's still skin on this thing. That's okay. So, okay. Just drop it back in there. Okay, so, talking about heartache. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> mm. oh, you gave me the brief. Okay. I mean, I don't know really what to say about it. Are we recording? We're recording. Oh, interesting. But, like, dating men with kids? Shit. Well, you did. I didn't. I was just talking to one. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't think that's where the heartbreak necessarily, like, stem, stems from. Oh, no, it's not because of him, them having children. Right. It's finding a good person and it not working out at the time that you meet. Right. No, you're just not aligned. Mm-hmm. Mm. This dog is barking. No. 
<laughs> no, Mr. Mrs. Mishka just putting his nose into everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have food? I like you now. Mm-hmm. Like that freeloader friend in high school. Which I'm pretty well, sure I was. <laughs> I mean, I love snacks. Love snacks. Finn. Thanks for your snacks, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. For my, I like you now that you have food. I'm gonna have one more. Oh, I'm gonna go to the store later and buy some more. I know I need to get to this. This is my dinner when I don't want to cook. Mm-hmm. But this morning I spent making zucchini and green beans with like garlic and ghee. Did you go to the gym? No, I'm going doing that tonight because I know it's gonna be dead. Nice. No, I this morning I, I just took it slow. Anyway, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I mean, it's interesting that you asked to talk about heartbreak. Why did you... <gasps> oh. That's a hiccup. Wow. That's, that um, was a hiccup? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I guess I didn't chew well. Which is... You should do, do the middle part more often. Oh. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Don't listen to your mother. She doesn't know anything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, this is the, she's the same woman who's when I wanted to get a nose ring. She was like, don't you think your nose is big enough? I don't know why she was so fixated on the side of my nose. But I, I've always thought my... It's better than being strangers being fixated, fixated on the size of your nose like mine. All my life. This is why I've had like this whole like thing of wanting to get a nose job. My entire life people have been fixated on it. In what way? Oh, they're just, it's big. It's not, wow. It's not a cute button nose, like, you know, and it's not beautifully, like, shaping, like, some Anglo-Saxon. I mean, there are beautiful people out there with, like, the perfect nose. I think my mom has a perfect nose, but her her nose is, like, you know, proportional to the size of her face. I think mine is proportional to the size of my face. I wish it was a little bit more symmetrical. You know, I don't hate myself as much as I used to. Oh, it's got dark real dark fast but you know insecurities are real whatever yeah your nose is great what do you thanks people are so weird people are assholes yeah i've never thought anything about your nose thanks like w- one way or the other you just like you you have a really great face thank you i mean uh, but that's after i actually met you the other night she was like it was sort of uncomfortable how pretty you rot it what stop yeah that's really nice i know that's um right. and i think that's Honestly, just a sec. I mean, well, heartbreak can happen with friends, and I think that's, you know, why some some people probably think I'm full of myself because they think if they find me attractive, then obviously I find myself attractive. Right, right. You know, not not me, just uh, hating taking pictures of myself because I criticize the fuck out of my face. I mean, this is why I haven't started my. It took until this last week to, to upload a video to YouTube that I've been wanting to do for forever. I actually did it, by the way. Good for you. Yeah, thanks. Um, because I look at myself on camera and I'm dying inside with how my face looks. Aww. But it's true. Like I know it's I true. cannot stand my face on camera. Um, so yeah, I think that's the heartbreak where people just kind of assume that you're full of yourself and like you must find yourself secretly attractive and you're humble bragging. Um, and that part sucks. 
especially with people that you think that are close to you. But I'm not going to get into that because I don't want to make it about that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well. I just ranted. Sorry. Thank you. You don't need to apologize. I, I was digging. I didn't really, I don't know. I mean, know that. But I think your nose is proportional to your face. And also, I don't know. I think it would be weird to see you with any other nose now. I feel the same about you, dude. Thanks. You should keep your face as it is, please. It's a good looking face. Thanks, Mm -hmm. ma'am. But But I relate. I've never liked my face. Right. At what point do we actually start liking ourselves, though? I mean, I just recently started to like myself more, so. Same. You know, is it? So we had to wait until we were like 37? I think a lot of times people do. I don't know. I mean, that I, you know, if you think about when I was thinking about it earlier, like that you wanted to talk about heartbreak, I was like, okay. Um, I had, you know, I had two thoughts. Well, one question, one thought. And the mm-hmm. first, the fir- the thought is, you know, it starts with our parents. They're the first people that ever break our hearts. Oh God. And, yeah. and then the question I had was, why did you want to talk about it? It's been on the forefront of my mind because of everything that happened with. I'm gonna call him Jude. Judas. Good <laughs> Just kidding. Jude. I'm gonna call him Jude. Yeah. Okay. Um. I think it reminded me. It reminded me what it feels like to be romantically vulnerable. Yeah. With a with a person. I mean, it's different than have being vulnerable with a friend. It's similar but different. Like. The intimacy is like deeper when it's romantic, right? Sure. Because you you're essentially proclaiming to the person like, I want to be exclusively yours. Yep. You know, even if like in the beginning stages of dating, you're like that's perspective. You know. At least, at least with anybody that has the intention of being exclusive, some people just date to date. Yeah, I think. Um, but why did you agree to it? Well, um, because I feel really passionately about um, acknowledging grief. Mm-hmm. I've um, just come to notice for myself and then in watching other people that we really, we kick at it. We really don't like it. And um, uh, it, somebody said to me the other day that grief is still movement. It's moving forward. Totally. You actually grieve. Like it is, you know, it yeah. has a, it has a forward propelling and um, element to it. And I think we generally tend to presume that grief means we're stuck. Right. I think people think, and I've done this, but when we grieve that we aren't moving forward, we're sitting there marinating, we're... Um, not moving on mm-hmm. and grief is really big for the person grieving and it can also even be big for the people who like really love them and want to support them I mean I've had big grief before that other people found too big for them to be there for me during mm-hmm. and because uh, you know, I think it triggers I think those things trigger our fear and our own griefs when we watch somebody else so it's hard to remember that grief is a uh, is a normal and healthy part of how we heal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, I was reminded of that 
line in WandaVision. Oh, God, such a great show. Great show. And I can't understand how we've... The, the Earth is this old and the human species is as has been around as long as it has and no one's ever written it as simply as they do in that show. Mm -hmm. And they say... Um, Vision says at one point to Wanda, he says, what is grief if not love persevering? Yeah. And, um... It's hard when you're when you're heartbroken over something, whether it's how somebody talked to you or um, not getting what you need from your parents, um, not getting what you need in a romantic relationship. Right, broken promises. Broken promises, betrayal, all of that. It's hard um, because we can hurt and grieve over a number of things, but when you were specifically talking about heartbreak, yeah, you're talking about what I now think of as love persevering. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, I think it's, uh, it's hard because, you know, in any sort of instance, whenever the love is still there, but the opportunity to sort of show it or have it rescinded or uh, requited or mm -hmm acknowledged um, when you don't have some place to put it yeah. it's super it's it then it is so it hurts and just to clarify to anybody that I if I mean if anybody ever listens to what you and I post but um, which I will be editing this tonight too um, I was not in love with this person did not love them I just want to clarify that this, but you were, um, so when you're speaking of love, it's not me being directly in love with Jude or anything like that. It's just, um, the prospect of it. Yeah. Which can also cause heartbreak. Yeah. Because I think that even if something doesn't necessarily have the chance to grow mm -hmm. into, you know, a person making a decision to love mm -hmm. or about love, mm -hmm. we still have a capacity to love. Yeah. And so I think that when we have ourselves, when we're robbed of like the idea or the potential, um, it's still, it's like, well, it doesn't matter if it hadn't gotten there yet. Yeah. You're still kind of looking for a place to put what you have. I think that, that yeah. yeah, I think all of us just want to love and be loved. Yeah. I think, well, you know, I'll say this. A few months ago when I thought about, so it's been a, uh, almost two years. It's going to be two years in June that um, Max and I separated. And, um, you know, in that time I definitely did try. I went on the dating apps a couple of times, you know, talked a guy here and there maybe like for a day and then you know was just like this is not for me and like I just yeah. ran back into my corner and it took until now to just be like okay I'm open to getting to some to know somebody new <clears throat> and it's scary I mean like yeah the grief the grief is that also that like I'm ready to now start exploring this 
chapter of my or this this like section of my life again to get to know someone to possibly grow with them and establish a life with them and then um and finding someone someone that I'm actually intellectually like stimulated with and like just all around like I have good like a good gut feeling about a person and then it not work out um like where things just don't line up in a way that makes it so hard to get to know them um it's yeah it definitely causes grief as well because you're just reminded of because the memories the memories and that much more of like how even though you're ready um it doesn't mean that it's gonna just because you're like the door is open for that in yourself doesn't mean that it's just gonna have to it's gonna happen I don't know I don't know if there's a better way to say that no I think it makes total sense you have something to give and it we found somebody that it might have sort of worked out with and it didn't and so then you have to kind of go back and be amidst all of the memories of the other times that things haven't worked out. Yeah. And you've had to shoulder that. We have to try to, like, you know, be supportive and sort of rally around ourselves to say, like, you know, that that isn't a defining experience. Yeah. It's just a thing that happened. Yeah, and I'll I'll gather the courage again to put myself oh, out there. for sure. You know? But it does... That's what I tend to do in heartbreak, is I get really... I'm more, even more skittish than I normally am. Yeah. Somebody said the other day, uh, it, was, it was my boss. I think I told you about this. Mm. And he, he was saying that he himself is a bit of an introvert who plays well at being an extrovert. Right. And that he said that about me, and I was like, that's really funny that you point that out because I tend to think that but like on a Myers-Briggs I actually skew more over into extrovert mm-hmm. and anyone who's ever met me tends to think that um, I'm an extrovert but I often feel a lot more like an introvert I always think of you as an introvert see so you get it um, and uh, but I, I see why people think of you as an extrovert totally, for yeah, sure because I can kind of like come in and be like blah, 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 you know and be effusive and gregarious and kind of put myself out there but it's all performative and you know right in, well not always but a lot of times it's very performative well also before you were before you became sober you you know that played a huge part in huge. like your personality yeah. as well yeah it's a great way to sort of just mask a lot of things and now I kind of do it more you know for relationship building I try not to use it as much as a as a mask nowadays but I just thought that was interesting that he said that, but anyway, um, as in, you know, as kind of like, you know, a secret introvert, um, you know, it's hard enough for me to really put myself out there and actually be my authentic, vulnerable self, which isn't unique to me, but yeah, when I'm heartbroken, buddy, you know, even my mother knows Mm. to ask, like, can I give you a hug? Because I don't want to be touched, I don't really want to be looked at, I don't want to, you know, like, I just go... I just super, super retreat, and that's hard to do, because I know that part of me is also not looking at myself, and it's important to, like, be a support system to yourself, and so I have to remember sometimes, it's okay, it's one thing to hide out from the world, it's another thing if I'm just, like, 
sort of on a moratorium, I've excommunicated myself from myself. That, that part's not super healthy. Um, and I will tend to do it. But you are pretty, I mean, I'd like to comment here. By the way, do you want more tea? I would love more okay. tea. Um, but I, you're, I mean, you're coming up, I know you pretty well. And I know that even though you're hurting inside, you are putting on a really good face, a good strong face with the heartbreak that you are recently enduring. Because I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't do well with what you're dealing with. Um, huh. Being in love with someone and then having to step away. I mean, you did it for the right reasons because your needs were not being met and they weren't coordinating with what was happening in his life at the, at the time. But that's, you know, um, that's very hard. Especially, yeah. you know, when you really deeply love someone and there's genuinely really nothing wrong when you guys are together in the in the men, relationship fundamentals he doesn't tr- mistreat you he's kind you guys had a good rapport good conversations it's just life oh all right bless you nova yeah i your and what I'm trying to say is I admire you, even though I know you're struggling. But like I wouldn't be able to handle it as well as you are. Mm. Well, thanks. <laughs> My therapist the other day was like, "You tend to sort of come in with a lot of conviction, and then you sort of come back and start walking it back a few weeks later." And I'm like, "I know, get off me." How dare you? How dare you? But um, a thing that you know I think is really helpful with heartache and heartbreak is to be able to accept the truth. Right. And, um, you know, you can really like actually wrap your, your arms around the grief and, um, and, and, and truly turn and face kind of the storm, you know, and it's been, uh, it's been hard. Cause I, I, I think that, um, a lot of times, we still have quite, you know, like questions, you know, like if you, I mean, if you think about like stuff that happens and, you know, happens to someone in their childhood, you know, they may go throughout the rest of their life kind of wondering why certain things happened the way that they did or like mm-hmm. if they could have done something to like make it different, yeah. um, you know, and like with friends and so forth when people go sort of their separate ways, you know, I, at least I tend to kind of, look back a lot and think like, well, what is, you know, what is, what, what is the thing there that I could have like done differently or is it something about me or, you know, and I think presumably some, you know, we feel a lot of times like having some answers would really be helpful. And I think that sometimes they can come sort of later, you know, but I have heard it said, and I generally tend to agree that closure is still found kind of within the self. You don't necessarily need, Um, that doesn't mean that it can't provide some healing when somebody says something that you need to hear or they answer some things for you, you know, but nonetheless, like by and large, you kind of got the tools on your own. You yeah. Know? And so that part is, that part is, is hard because I don't generally trust myself a lot when I have big feelings. When I have big feelings, I'm like, 
ugh, watch out, you know, mm-hmm. like who knows what I'm liable to do. Um, I tend to need like a lot of supervision. And um, oh, I get embarrassed with my big feelings. Oh, same. Yeah. So same. And so, you know, like I was reflecting earlier today. I was thinking about, you know, heading over here and sitting down and recording our conversation. I was thinking about that, you know, that phrase, if, if he wanted to, he would. Oh, you God, and I had, yeah. We've had um, so, so, so discussed so often. And, um, and I realized, I was like, oh, uh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see why everyone wants to believe that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I, I, like, I know this, but... It sort of landed a little bit more personally this morning when I was thinking about it because mm. I found myself feeling that it really would be sort of preferable in this situation that I just came out of and that I still have big feelings about, regardless of the big feelings that were professed very regularly. Mm-hmm. And that I really don't have any reason not to believe. Um, I found myself feeling that it would be easier to simply believe that they weren't true. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, if they were, um, things would look different. Totally. And that at the end of the day, like, it's preferable to believe, like, well... You know, somebody was just kind of, maybe they're just like in love with the idea of love, or they just, you know, like they just haven't, you know, had a connection in a while and we had fun and, you know, like they thought they loved me mm-hmm. or they, you know, on, on cruder days, like just wanted to get laid. And so they said what they needed to get what they wanted and, and so forth. And, um, it, I, I realized like, oh, that's, I'm telling myself, like, if he really wanted to, he would. Mm-hmm. And I see why people say that because um, it is easier to sever um, a connection yeah. when there is big, uh, like, offense, mm-hmm, when there's mm-hmm. big insult, or when there um, is betrayal. Or there's... Well, in advertising, right, when you're getting to know a new client, sorry, I didn't mean to cut mm-hmm. you off, but, like, you know, when we sign on a new client, we do a tissue session, you know, and we um, go through, what is it, the enemy... Enemy workshop. Enemy workshop. And it's the same thing. It's the same kind of thought process where, like, well, this person's our enemy. Like, and I, it... It's not the right terminology for what we're talking about, but it's it creates this otherness perspective, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if they didn't accept me, then there's something wrong with them. Or they, well, there's something wrong with me, but, like, clearly they're, they're um, we're not cut from the same cloth, or they're, you know, not right for me. And it's easy to put somebody in that category Rather than being like, no, this person is having a human experience just like me and trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But it's easy to think of somebody as an enemy to move on. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I've had people do that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, you know, I've watched people sort of go very quickly from um, being, uh, 
what's the word I want? Like have, having really strong, positive feelings mm-hmm. about me and wanting to be around me to, um, I mean, I could even think of a situation where somebody would literally look over my head as if I just wasn't even there. What? Yeah. And uh, I was like, this was... Uh, where do they in, live? This is back in college. He's, oh. he's in France. He's, oh, okay. Actually, maybe he might still be in Finland now. He, Right. Is well, um, partnered with a young woman. Well, he and I, and he and I, um, actually. Uh, Wait, did, is this the guy? What guy? I don't know from emails and stuff. Oh no, 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 no that's this the same is another person, person okay. who's really good friends with, and he apparently developed feelings for me, and then all of a sudden, truly, from one day to the next, he just acted like I wasn't there, and we were that's all insane. in this. It was really kind of insane, and we were all in this friend group together, and. You know, and so, like, I would say things, and he would sort of just turn away. What? You know? And, yeah, and I, I, I was always like, what is, what is going on, you know? And if I remember correctly, I never asked. It hurt so bad. Yeah, that's awful. That I just never asked, you yeah. know? Like, I was like, oh, okay, okay, you know? And uh, it looked like hate. It walked like hate, you know? I'm sorry and, that happened. Yeah. And uh, before, this is when I was studying abroad overseas, and um, he and I were both going to be going to our separate corners of the world, and uh, he he uh, asked me to get together not too long before I was supposed to like pack up, ship out, oh, and made me one of my favorite meals that he always used to make me and everything, and then sat me down and told me that he just had had no no idea what to do with his feelings. And so he decided to make an enemy out of me and that he was very sorry he had done that. So he made his amends. Wow. But it didn't remove... It hurt so bad. It hurt so bad, you know? Like, And I had had feelings for him, too. I don't know if they were to the sort that I needed to do that. But, but he accomplished his mission. That was the part that was the weirdest, is that, you know, he accomplished, I think... I mean, I, maybe, I don't know, maybe not if he was circling back to make amends, but he accomplished what he was setting out to sure. do. And he, yeah. he kicked me around, like, you know, for a while and um, made an enemy out of me, you know. He at least accomplished it for me because right. I, I, I pulled back. Well, that was obviously for you. Yeah, yeah, I pulled back very significantly because it hurt. You yeah. Know? Like, even just, like, general conversation, he would, he would behave as if I did not exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... And it, it humiliated me. Oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, as I think back on it, maybe it didn't actually really accomplish for him what he was wanting because he clearly had grief mm-hmm. and regret over what he had done. You know, like, and I think about, you know, that if he wanted to, he would, um, which allows you, as you say, to make an other out of somebody. And, you know, I look at this instance I just described where this guy made very much a you know he just kind of treated me like I he just behaved as if uh I meant I like my existence didn't mean anything to him um and I think that those are kind of two sides of the same coin and um so I can see why like if he wanted to he would would be really preferable because it does it otherizes somebody it pushes them it, it, it pushes them out of being a member of your tribe Right? Yeah. They, 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 they aren't, they aren't one of yours. You right. Know I mean? Right. And then, and you ain't going to claim that shit. And, um, <laughs> no, but I don't know, especially in like thinking about, you know, the times I've tried to do that or mm. watching this young man do that back when we were in our early twenties to me, 
I don't know that it actually does help you move forward. I think what ends up happening is you give yourself something new to grieve. Oh, yeah. And that is the regret of how you treated somebody, you know, and so. Huge. Yeah, it, you know, I definitely want to believe the truth, whatever the truth is. And so if, you know, if in this most recent situation that I just sort of walked out of, if it is the truth that it really just didn't matter as much as he said it did, as much as that would hurt, I think I'd prefer to know that. Mm. But I might not ever know that, you know. So, like, it's hard to sort of... um, you know, like make space for that as a possibility in my head to try and like move on. Yeah. Also accept that as a, you know, like as a a possible, uh, like, um, impetus for the fact that he, uh, seems to be able to kind of like let it go. Yeah. You know, I'm the one that ended it and I understand that, you know, and I wouldn't, appreciate it nor do I expect it of somebody necessarily to just be like beating down your door to try and get you to be part of something that you've said isn't a good idea for you but yeah it's the it's the it's the perspective I have on the situation of well it seems that what's what what you're up for it's not about you Mishka (laughs) What you're up for for is what's not right for me. And if you're not, and if it's, and if, if it comes down to doing something that makes it right for me, you ain't up for that. Mm-hmm. And that does make you question what somebody has said they feel. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, if I were to find out like that those things actually weren't met, meant, excuse me, my question would be, well, why did you say them so much? You know, like that. And it's hard not to compare yourself to other people's, um, you know, histories or situations because we try to look for similarities and we try to look for, um, uh, like, not just, like, a a camaraderie in our shared experiences, you Uh know what I mean? Like, if, like, I obviously draw similarities between us, even though our uh, the the depth of our my situationship and your relationship are completely different. Um, no. <laughs> I think this is the closest he's ever come to you. It sure is. My cat. Yeah. It's because I'm just eating salami. This seems to be a theme in life. You just want something from me. <laughs> just kidding. They just want that meat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, shit. So do I. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> You were saying. Um, I don't know the similarities. What I was the similarities. Well, the similarities. Um, I just don't remember the point I was trying to make. But I camaraderie similarities. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 so easy to tell yourself the idea, especially like because it's so popular. If you wanted to, you would. It's so easy to to be like, well, because in the past, right, in other in other situationships or relationships. Um, Somebody kind of has the same kind of experience where it's just not the right timing. And then like, for other people say, you know, maybe a month goes by, two months go by and they find out that the person that they just recently separated from romantically is involved with somebody else. Yeah. And they're in, you know, and some people get really serious right off the bat and you're like, 
you know, and then you feel like a fool holding the bag still, the love bag, if you will, of, <laughs> of emotions. And you're like, well, what the fuck was wrong with me? But this is not that. But it's easy to kind of go down that dark rabbit hole of emotions and like, and um, uh, trying to like create this narrative that isn't necessarily true based off other people's experiences because you're trying to justify what happened in your life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's hard to justify. It's hard to justify that like, well, if one plus one equals two, like why aren't we together? It's <laughs> an interesting phrase. You know? Right. You like me. I like you. Done. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's just, you know, humans are a lot more complicated. So in that respect, to me at least, if he wanted to, he would. If she wanted to, she would. Is um, It just doesn't, it doesn't compute. It doesn't add up. Yep. It's really not a very, um, it's not a, it's not a universal truth. I think the source of it is because somebody is trying to push someone out of someone's tribe. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I can honestly say too, you know, that like, um, I think we, I, I, I'm no, I'm no exception if I have been in a situation where somebody was like saying things that they didn't mean mm-hmm. or, you know, love bombing. To be clear, I don't really think that that's what was happening. It's just an easy place for your head to go to. Totally. Um, but I've had that happen. What? Where somebody's like love bomb, love bombed me, or they've oh, said yeah. stuff that they didn't mean, and like I survived. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There are a lot of really trash humans out there, so even if that mm. is what happened, like I know I can survive it. Um, I think that what is hard is. Uh, when you feel like it to some degree might make a fool out of you and heartbreak Mm -hmm. is that other type of vulnerability like we're always afraid of looking weak and stupid and for sure whenever we're vulnerable a lot of times people actually think that it looks a lot like strength right it never feels like strength to the person being vulnerable though at all and so you know Uh I would feel like such a fucking like uh, Dummy. I would feel so dumb. I'm just kidding. Yeah, if I—I I mean, but yeah. true. But yeah. yeah, I would feel so dumb if I did find out, like, uh, oh, that yeah, you—you you just didn't mean those things. I had someone break up with me years ago, and he was like, somebody I was so in love with, and he broke up with me, and I was, and I was like, do you, um, do you not love me? And uh, he just shook his head. No, I don't. And I was like, well, why did you tell me two days ago that you did? Oh. Yeah. And, uh... Uh-uh, go right down. it was just like, I... I don't remember if he said, like, I, you know, I... I don't know, and maybe, maybe I didn't even say why, now that I'm trying to... I'm not, you know, memories are fallible, but... I, he had said like two days before that he loved me and that, that I was like, but specifically like that I was the love of his life. Type oh, of deal. shit. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then two days later he's breaking up with me and I was like, do you not love me? And he was like, no. I don't, I'm so confused. I would have been like, what? 
Oh, I sank. I just sank. Yeah. I, I mean, I had nothing else to say. When he when he said that, I was like, oh, okie dokies. I mean, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'd feel Yeah, weird. I wanted the world to just like, you know, swallow me up. Yeah. Swallow me. And I was like, all right. Well, on your way. And uh, I see that my dog is barking. I'm going to check in on this little shit. I mean... Speaking of heartbreak and vulnerability like that, but I mean, I had a friend um, that I went to high school with, and then, anyways, we we always had like late night, long term conversations. He was in a relationship, nothing inappropriate, but like, you know, we were establishing a friendship basically by being pen pals for a mm-hmm, long time, mm-hmm. and then we ended up working together. And he dated some psycho chick, and. Um, she didn't like how close we were but I'm like we never see each other I don't see what the big deal is and then to appease her and get me out of his life I think he said he's like well I don't really know you and I was like okay oh I was like I've known you for like a decade we've talked about this how we've known each other for a decade and that she's questioning a friendship that first of all is not is not in any way impacting your relationship because I never see you in person. But second of all, um, yeah, like, what? Oh, that's so hurtful. But then, yeah, and then one day when he was like, "Well, I don't really know you," and I was like, "I don't, I don't understand," <laughs> but okay. And then after they broke up, he invited me to. Um, a Halloween party that he was throwing at his place, freshly single, and I was seeing a, a mutual friend of ours at the time, very casually, but like, um, so we went together, and we showed up at my friend's, my former friend's house, and apparently I found out from that night that, from another girlfriend, um, that he was telling people that he didn't know why I showed up. Meanwhile, his best friend came up to me during the party and was like, I'm really glad you came. I'm like, this is just psychotic. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, I don't know this person. Yeah. You. Turns out he was right. Yeah. Turns out you're absolutely right. You are a twat. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, it's not like he's afraid of being known or knowing someone. For sure. I mean, he's happily married now, I think. Uh, well, I mean, I'm assuming he's happily married. His wife is gorgeous, and they take pictures of each other, and everything seems hunky-dory. Oh, yeah. Good for Classic. them. Um, but, yeah, that sucked for... That was... I think that was one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life, because I formed a friendship with him, expressed a lot of vulnerable, intimate things. You know, the first boy that I actually shared intimate things with, like on an emotional level, we talked about sexuality and a bunch of stuff. And for him to just years later be like, I don't know you, just gutted me in the deepest, darkest way that I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I don't know that I bounced back from it. I just know that I 
probably built up some walls in my brain to never fully trust somebody or be that vulnerable in front of somebody ever again. How old were you when all this happened? This happened, so he and I met when I was 15. Yeah. This happened around 25. It feels like all of that is pretty formative, you know, and like I can see how that would really um, kind of send you in a little bit of a trajectory. Yeah. I think I'm capable of being vulnerable, obviously. Like, I think our friendship, for example, and some of my other friendships have gotten very... I've been very vulnerable about expressing myself and my insecurities. And now that I'm getting older, like, I feel um, more open to do that, um, to share. But I'm always still a little back-footed, just a little bit. But I, I'm a lot more comfortable than I used to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that we can tend to... Um I mean that 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 is that's the equivalent of someone saying I've been telling you that I love you and I don't. I mean literally that's, that's the exactly of that, yeah that's is what, that that's I don't what, really know you. That's such a weird um and cruel cruel thing to say. Likewise. For yeah. somebody to just be like you're the love of my life and I don't love you. Well, the story did wrap up with him returning a month later and saying that he had lied and that he couldn't actually live without me. Mm. Yeah, he was like, I, I tried to say what I could say to like, because I don't think I'm good for you, you know, that kind of deal. But I still never forgot that he tried to lie to me and yeah. say that he didn't love me. Um, yeah, I mean, people can be really, really cruel when they're trying to protect themselves from heartache yeah yeah and um and I think you know it's not I mean that's certainly not an excuse but it definitely is a it's a thing I've done I've seen I've had it done a lot to me and that's I think another reason why heartache and grief are so hard to like make space for because especially for people who've been exploited have had their heartache and grief exploited, you know, yeah. like, which I have. Um, I've had people, like, laugh at me or tell me that I should be embarrassed about how deeply I'm still feeling about something. Cause they Seriously? Think that, uh, You've had friends say this to you? Um, well, you'll have to delete this name. I said that to me one time. I should still... I'll should bleep be, it out, yeah. Yeah, but I'd be... Should be should she I said you be, should be embarrassed? I would be embarrassed if I was still grieving over this or if I was still... Think you know, like making this much of something? Wow! And I was like, talk about the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> I think I actually approached her about that later and was like, that was a really she she apologized. I think I think I I mentioned it because I was so staggered. But we can all be you know impatient not only with our own grief or with somebody else's, or we can we we don't understand what we're really looking at you know or we think like well geez wouldn't the clock have run out by now or you know why does that person keep circling back to that you know like I mean when my therapist told me that I tend to act with a lot of conviction and sort of walk it back you know she also was gracious and gentle you know she was like you didn't do anything wrong yeah like in in you're not doing anything wrong in those things but it does it's hard for me to 
um, you know, to let go of things. And I think it, I think it comes back to, you know, finding it hard to sort of accept, right? Like mm-hmm. I think that acceptance and letting go are all part of kind of the grief and heartbreak process. And, you know, when you're able to do those things in a healthy way, um, and, you know, actually take care of yourself and have people around you who support you and make space for that too, and just kind of let you be you in the course of all of it, then I think you make the movement and I think that you can, you know, sort of go forward. But, um, you know, no one deals really well with grief and heartache. No. Not really. I mean, I don't, I don't know anyone who's just like, oh, wow, what a good griever. Um, <laughs> you know, they really are good at, you know what they're good at? They're good at grieving. You know, they're really good champion. at... Champion. Yeah, just a champion griever. And um, I know people who seem to, who I, who I can tell, let themselves be sad when I tend to try and fight that. Um, and I'm a little bit jealous of that, actually, uh, because it's such a mess. I'm going to be sad anyway, so it's just such a mess to try and, like, waste all this time trying not to be sad and going through the anger and the denial and the, all that, you know, like, but you got to kind of go through all that stuff, too. But, you know, grief is just, it just doesn't look any specific way. You know, and grief will also give us memories. And grief can be defining in the sense of, you know, like what we, like we can come out of grieving stronger. We can come out of heartache stronger. We can come out knowing ourselves a bit more. I mean, if people talk about it, I, when I was talking to Jude about his divorce and I'm like, well, you know, because his sons are older, um, I'm like, so did you talk to your sons about it, or did you talk to your kids about it? Like, how, how did it affect them? How, 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 how do they feel about what's going on? And he said he hadn't. And I'm like... And in the back of my mind, I'm like, but why? Hmm. <laughs> because in my mind, if you're not willing to talk to other people about it, especially your own children, and asking them how it affects them, if it does at all. Because it's easy to sweep things under the rug. But I'm like, have you processed your grief? Probably not. No, probably you know, not. About the divorce and the way it happened? Uh-huh. Probably not. Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously everything in retrospect. So in retrospect, I even like think about like in processing all of it and how it's not lining up. I almost feel as though because things off it started off between him and myself like it's like these seemingly open channels of communication like very timely very like consistent to you know maybe like a week and a half later where it was just like crickets chirping because like I feel it was as though the the feelings and the reality of getting to know somebody new sunk in and in retrospect I'm realizing now that maybe that made him realize that like he hadn't processed his grief and that was coming up to the to to the forefront yeah I've had stuff um sort of land for me a lot later Mm. yeah you know like I think that a good thing about the human species is that we are you know, we wouldn't have survived this long if, if, 
if a lot of things could bowl us over. We have a huge capacity for survival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're able to pretty quickly, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, we're pretty quickly able to adapt to some sort of maybe less than preferable circumstances. We're just kind of kind of keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have found that when the dust settles later after a thing, yeah. it'll all of a sudden show up again. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this fresh rage? Oh, God. You know, and I'm <laughs> well grieving. Said, well said. Yeah, what is, I'm, I'm oh. grieving about something. And, you know, I just, I have never been through a divorce, but I've watched people who I love and admire go through divorces, and um, they don't ever get... It's a long while, I should say, before they get to a place where it's like, okay, well, so that's that. (laughs) Now you can, right? Like, it's long, it's arduous. If kids are involved, material possessions, right? If they're, obviously, they're, you know, it comes with, like, its legalities. Heaven forfend that, you know, one or both parties are actively trying to make each other's lives miserable, which often happens, you know, and... It just is, there's, there, it's like fresh grief upon grief upon grief. And like, and, and I mean, it's a battlefield. And then also in the quiet moments, death by a thousand paper cuts. Like it just Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. that a breakup is hard enough, you know, but like a, like a breakup, um, you know, at its core is simply, this is not working out. You and I are parting ways. Right. But a divorce where people have to actually like like extricate themselves from each other's lives. They have to actually like pull apart assets. They have yeah. to like it's just um a beating. I mean that's why I decided that I'm never gonna live with a significant other again unless I'm married to them because the last the two serious major relationships, you know, on the verge of marriage that I've had that lasted years, you know, to your point our lives were intertwined furniture in some cases pets just a lot of elements and like you said extricating that it was just devastating and hard not just not just financially obviously which is a a whole other stressor on its own but like recreating an identity with that and, and trying to create a new memory is exhausting in the same corners that you have been living in with the uh, the other person. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I, I'm, thank God I moved. I mean, living in California and Southern California was unbearable for my first relationship. Fortunately, you know, my ex and I, even though I had bought a lot of the furniture, I had to sell all of it to start fresh because I didn't want to look at my couch and think of him. For sure. Yeah. You know, and I never, I, again, I don't want to do that again, but, um, fortunately, you know, I don't go through this city thinking about all the things that we did. Cause we didn't do a lot of it because of the pandemic. It was just apartments, apartment living. But, um, I don't know. Marriage is, yeah. Oh man, that's a whole other battlefield. Mm-hmm. I mean, but again, I was fortunate enough to go. You know, I don't have kids. I have, you know, the, these two very adorable children. But um, I can just 
rule their lives and put them in the back of my car and drive across country for a few months. Um, yeah, you're not trying to worry about like school or no, and yeah. I can be selfish and I can be like, I'm gonna live in California for in the woods for three months to really just kind of cleanse the palate for mm-hmm. myself a little bit, regain my identity, cry throughout the day spontaneously if I need to, you know, have Rich. my own schedule. But I can't, I honestly cannot if I was divorced I think it would and if if my marriage ended the way his did I don't know that I would bounce back even within the first five years honestly because if I had three kids on my shoulders a job you know even if you move on like say your marriage is done right like even before you get divorced you know you're on your way because most people most people know that they're on their way to divorce before it actually happens you know it's the same thing in relationships you know it's going to end but it takes you like a year (laughs) to actually end it um but like even if but, but still that identity that safety net of that person that other person being in your life that other pillar that you could like rest on if you're not you or somebody that can pick up the slack for you when you can't when you can't um i don't know i i know everyone is different but i i can't imagine there's any time to rebuild yourself that's why i'm saying like five years or so because like you have to dust your shoulders off put some before Neosporin on your cuts and your bruises and just kind of like let that get back in heal in healing and then and then you have to build you know working out reading finding moments of quiet to just be yourself or see friends and and try to um feel like a human again right like a person with a personality that has anything offer not anything to offer not just for yourself but for other people again yeah you know like i think that's the other scary part like coming out of a relationship and thinking to yourself do i have anything to offer do you think that do you wonder that i wonder for him if he does for Um, jude for jude yeah Mm -hmm. For me, I I think last year was a good thing for me. The things that I did to recover myself. I think I have a lot to offer. But if you'd asked me that a year ago, I would have had nothing to offer. Because I wasn't ready to offer it. if you wanted to you just fucking would I, if I wanted to if I you wanted to you fucking just fucking would you know you know <laughs> I, I I mean that's gonna be the name of the episode yeah for sure yeah if you wanted to you just I just want to drill it home I'm gonna turn this on briefly hold on yeah that's fine see if she's barking I cannot believe we live in a yeah, snow globe today I know we do it is very snow globey 
And then it's just gonna warm up again. That's enough. Now lay down. Pepper, lay the fuck down. That's staying in the episode, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's so annoying. No. No. Uh-uh. Lay down. Pepper, lay down. She's not doing it. She's just looking at the camera like... But, but let me just say, you know, heartbreak, and I guess we can maybe wrap somewhere around here. Um, heartbreak, not to be overly romantically poetic or whatever, but it's true. Um, heartbreak reminds us that we still want to love people. Yeah. You know? Jeremy always says the pain is equal to the love, which is an infuriating thing. He says it. I really can't stand how right he is. I know. Like, a lot. But don't tell him. I know. As long as he doesn't listen to this episode. Yeah, well, I'll I'll just make sure he doesn't. No, I um, I think that uh, your your story reminded me. So your story reminded me, not I think that. Your story reminded me um, of a friend of mine who after a divorce no kids or anything but it was a really rough divorce and it was a bit of a tough marriage too mm-hmm. let's be real um i want to say she told me she was single for 10 years oh i had a huge gap yeah between yeah. me but between my exes yeah yeah and, i mean i dated uh, here and, and I, i've yeah. i've i've done i've done similar not 10 years but and she's in a really healthy wonderful relationship now mm-hmm. um but buddy she needed some real time and she has shared that with me before to kind of just remind me not you know like oh hey it's gonna be a while but just that it can you know and that's okay Mm -hmm. honestly that's why yeah (sighs) yeah there's two parts of me where i'm i can be super impulsive and you know, as much as I'm terrified of a really big wedding, just crippling, cripplingly, cripplingly, wow, English. I am terrified of a big wedding, but buddy, if I meet somebody and we are just hitting it off and all the things land into place and I, he proves to me that I can trust him, Take me down to City Hall and let's sign those papers. Like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, heartbreak should never be an indicator of whether or not we can actually find deep connection again. Right. Right. We will. We will, of course we will. Even even if it is with, you know, somebody who circles back around. I have a friend who uh, dated a guy 20 years ago. Really? They, they did not work out. 20 years later, they're married. Shit. I, there was one guy, there's one guy that comes to mind. One? Two. Two. Well, one of them's married now, so it doesn't count. But, um, and he lives in France. So, or maybe Africa. I don't know. That seems like a... A good thing. That seems like a, <laughs> seems like a perk. Totes. Um, no, one guy, uh, he's a creative and 
always really liked him, but like, he traveled a lot for work. Our stuff didn't coordinate. His friend was kind of a, the, the friends he was with at the time, he, I think he probably still worked with, works with them, I don't know. Um, I don't really know what he's doing with his life anymore, but um, yeah, he was kind of like the one that I wish we kind of spent more time together. But his friend was such a dick that I'm like, dodged a bullet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you asked to talk about heartache and heartbreak. Yeah, it was so prevalent within our lives in the last month, I was I would say. Like, more so for you in the last month, for me in the last couple of weeks, um, or in the last year or two. Just figured, you know, I it it's also nice to take my mind off of war and uh-huh. all the other things happening in the world. And think about something much smaller and more simple, like heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. What are you going to do to take care of yourself today after a big conversation about heartbreak? Well, we're going to go to the sauna, which yeah. on a snow globe day like today is amazing. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm very excited about that. And then um, I am going to do my own nails because I, I think my, I'm really good at giving myself my own manicures, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to edit this podcast. I'm going to upload it. Uh, and watch some, some movies. There's some really good movies on Netflix. That I know. Out. There are some, yeah. I'm pumped. I'm, I'm probably going to do that later, too. Yeah. Stories are a good escape. Stories are a good escape. I feel like this conversation was also really necessary, and I'm, re- I'm going to reuse this phrase, to cleanse the palate, the palate a little bit, mm. you know? To just get it out. And even though the, the thoughts of these people are still going to linger on in our brains and in our hearts, it doesn't, you know, I think sometimes talking through it just brings a sense of completion. It's just another way to accept it again. Yep. Yeah, because acceptance doesn't happen just once, annoyingly. It has to happen several times, usually. Are you going to do the same? What? Just hang out at home and watch some Netflix? Yeah, go to sauna, and I might might have someone do my nails. I might not. We'll see. You always know when I'm grieving because I don't eat and do my nails. So, you know, it's a cute... Ah! Well, so at least you look fabulous. Yeah, I'm a grief starver. Mm. It's not good. Lately, less so, actually, though. I will say, I've been like, no, I want a fucking hamburger. I want, I want some fucking ice cream. So, you know, that's been kind of fun. Yeah.